Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. Today's episode is part two of a conversation on discerning God's voice. Thanks for joining us this week. It's always an honor to have you with us, and we never want to take it for granted. John? Always good to sit across the table from you and have a conversation. That's right, man. I love working with you, and I love I love doing Truth and Grace with you. Thank you. And we have something else in common. Yep. We both love football. We both love the Cowboys. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, hate the Cowboys, but they're certainly not my favorite team. They're definitely polarizing. Most people either like them or they hate them. Yeah, but, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, they were kind of America's team. Yeah. And I also grew up in a part of the United States that had a football team, but it was always really bad. So, you know, we were always cheering for somebody else. And, you know, (laughs) I'll never forget, like, as a kid, the famous, you know, 13-0 and season Mm. of the – Miami Dolphins, and you know they went through a couple of years there where the Dolphins and the Cowboys oh, yeah. were battling it out, and so you know those were like highlights from my childhood. Yep. And so, all right, so we're talking about the Super Bowl. All we're, right. we're a couple of weeks into the into the mm-hmm. football season. Who's your pick for the Super Bowl this year? So I have this weird thing going. I do love the Cowboys. Um, I don't really know that they have a chance to win, but but I was raised in Tampa. And so uh, I remember not the 14-0 and 0 teams. I remember the 0-28 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they would be my second favorite team. And I got to tell you, Tom Brady bringing it on. So I got, I got to be going that direction. At least that's what I hope. Whether I think that they will win or not, I definitely hope that they do. Either them or the Cowboys. How about you? I, I don't dislike the um the Bucks. I just really dislike Tom Brady. Because <laughs> remember, I grew up in Atlanta. Okay. Thirty-one twenty-eight will always be indelibly yeah. stuck in my brain. You know, the Falcons have the record for the biggest come from behind loss yeah. <laughs> in the history of football. That was a brutal game, by and the way. <laughs> the worst game in the history of football. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it, but I'm sure you may not have. So. No, not so much. I am gonna hopefully cheer this year and hope and think there's a possibility that our Broncos might actually go all the way. Yeah, you know, I live here now, but I haven't lived here long enough, so my my third team is still probably the Jaguars because I just came from Jacksonville. But it's going to be an interesting year. I I don't think that there's one clear-cut favorite. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people that have a good chance at it. If you're living in this part of the world and, you know, so the, the AFC West, you got great football. Great football. You know, so, yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure our audience really <laughs> cares what we think about football, but we do. And so yeah, thanks for joining us and thanks for tolerating our silliness this today. We do want to pick up on last week's conversation about finding God's will. And we want to unpack mm-hmm. it this week, particularly as it relates to ministry. We Absolutely. believe that God wants every single person that's a Christ follower Amen. engaged in ministry. Yep. Bible tells us that he's given gifts to people. He's given all of us gifts that we're supposed to use mm-hmm. for his glory. The question is, does that mean we're supposed to be, you know, a missionary in the heart of the unreached <laughs> of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Indonesia, or are we supposed to be 
you know, engaged in our local church as a volunteer. That's a big it's gap. A, it's there. a wide gap. Yeah. Yeah. So. How do we how do we know what we're supposed to do? All right, so here's a good starting point. We I talked about this verse last week, but I'm going to go a little bit earlier. Okay, it says that in days of old, that the Lord has spoken to us in different ways and different seasons, different places. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the qualifying part: Jesus is always the one who is speaking and directing and leading us to whatever area of ministry. But I'll give you two examples that are very different. So to many of the disciples, Jesus says, follow me. It's very simple. Uh, Matthew in the tax collector's office, follow me. And then for the rest of his life, he followed him. But the apostle Paul is going on the road to Damascus where a vision of Jesus appears. And the same Jesus is saying, you know, hey, why are you kicking across, uh, you know, against the goads? Mm -hmm. And so he knocks him to the ground and now that was the beginning of his calling to the Gentiles as an apostle, both very different ways that Jesus spoke. And so so I would say still, even in the New Testament, God still speaks to us in different ways, sometimes through circumstances, sometimes we just know in our hearts. There's different ways that God speaks as he's leading, but this is what he's always leading us to do, to conform to the image of Christ and then to be a part of living and serving in the kingdom. And so, so there's a lot of different ways that God speaks. Yeah, I always like to frame it this way. We all have a primary calling. Mm. Our calling, number one, you know, somebody says, are you, you know, in, in ministry circles, somebody will talk about, are you called? Yeah, yeah. we're all called. We're 100%. called to Jesus. Yep. That's my primary call. Yep. Everything else is secondary yep. to that. Now, in that, some people have a secondary calling, mm-hmm. might say, to a particular type of ministry. And then some people just say, hey, I'm in my local church. Sure. What what fits? What you know? What's a good place for me to plug in? It's situational. Yeah. Well, and I love this. And in, in, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about this, and it goes, "Hey, that the Holy Spirit leads us to serve the body as He wills." Right. And so d- everybody has different gifts. Not everybody is the eye. Not everybody is the thumb. Not everybody is the ear. We all have different parts to play. And so one of the things that I found in ministry that's so important as a leader is to help people discover what it, what are you called to do? And rather than trying to be something that you're not, and I, I know that you've had this experience where you get a young guy in ministry and he's trying to preach like somebody else or do ministry like somebody else. And if we can find, God, what are you calling me to do? Help me to be comfortable in my own skin and not try to be what my favorite preacher or hero sure. or person is, but God, help me to learn and discover what you've called me to do and help me to flow in that that's when we'll be not only the most effective in our ministry, but we'll also have a joy because we're, we we don't really have something that we're trying to be. We can just be who we are in Christ. All right. Yeah, I agree 100%. So I, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I am very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I love to start stuff. I have a son that when we'll sit down and have a conversation almost inevitably it'll come up, you know, what if we did this? What if we did this? You know, yeah. how, you know, we can start this business. We can start that one, you know? So I'm always thinking that way. My brain is just wired that way. <laughs> now, I think there's a kingdom mm-hmm. side 
of that entrepreneurial bent that I have. And so I've never started a business for the sake of making money, though I think that's incredibly valuable. Bible tells us that it's God who's given us the ability to have wealth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we need people with money Mm -hmm. to give so that God's kingdom can advance. So, you know, we believe God gives gifts. So that entrepreneurial, there may be, you know, there are people listening to this that we're thankful that they have that gift. Yeah. You know, but for my application, that entrepreneurialism was manifested in more of the apostolic, you know, so in the scriptures, the apostles were the ones who took the gospel where it had never been. Right. They were the starters, you know, of, of the gospel in different places. And so God used my apostolic bent. I mean, he's my entrepreneurial bent in an apostolic way, but he never changed my personality. 100%. You know, it's like I am what I am. Now, my character needs to transform and conform to the image of Christ, but my personality was given to me by God. Yeah. And he expects for me to use it, and then he gives me these gifts and expects me to use them. You know, I look at you. You are a, you, we've talked about this before. If there's a picture next to the word extrovert in the dictionary, it might be yours. <laughs> Pretty extroverted. Yeah. I like people. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, I like people, but I'm not near the extrovert that you are. Now, I see how God's used your extroverted personality, though, mm. as in evangelistically. Yep. You know, you don't know a stranger. Mm. And you, you, maybe you could even share. You talked to me the other day about the fact that on your recent Break, you know, you and your wife got away for yeah. your anniversary, and you ended up like in a hot tub or something with a guy, <laughs> with some guy who was an Orthodox Jew or come out of an Orthodox Jewish background. You know, you, you t- tell. I think it'd be good to hear that story because it's an example of your personality. Because if yeah. I had been in that hot tub, and I would have loved that man, but part of me would have been like, I just want to be here with my wife. Could you go away? No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. But yet God used your personality and, and he used it for his glory in that situation. Well, and I have to say my, my wife, Krista, amazing lady, but she tends to be an introvert. And, you know, we had a great weekend away. She was like the highlight of my of our weekend away was was talking to it was Hasidic Jews, very oh, uh, traditional Jews. We weren't actually in the hot tub. Oh, okay. I had been in the hot tub. Oh, okay, All right. and then we're by my the fire. My story fireplace. sounds better, but no, you no, know. no, yeah, Hasidic <laughs> Jew in the hot tub. So, uh, but here, here was the really cool thing: is we just we just started with conversation, mm-hmm. and it was amazing how God opened the doors. Uh, you know, I'm doing a a series. I think we're we've released it on uh, on uh, you know the eternal pursuit of God. And it's a message on New Covenant. And I went back with him to understanding, mm. you know, the Old Covenant and what that meant with Moses and then the New Covenant that we had in, have in Christ. And it was just so beautiful as we're sitting there talking and just conversing and getting to know each other and sharing the love of God. It just came out in such a natural way. And one of the things that I feel is that sometimes as Christians, like we walk up to people with our, you know, with our track and the pamphlet in hand yeah. and we're going could you please read this and, you know, the four steps to. <laughs> and honestly, I think most of the culture that we live in right now, 
They're looking for genuine, authentic faith, somebody that knows Jesus, that walks with God. I mean, as we're in the conversation, the man is saying to me, he's like, you know, I've, I've read this, the scriptures and gone through the Talmud. Uh, I've never talked to somebody that really just quotes the scripture like it's it's what they love and it's a part of them. And so the more that we can get away from just a form of here's the four points yeah. that we want to share with the lost world and we we can start to flow in that place of God, just let your love come through my life sure. and share and get to know. And it's relational. And the great part about flowing in those gifts is, is that it just comes out of your nature. And and I will say for an introvert as well, and I'm sure that you, because as a pastor, I've said to people, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, it doesn't mean that the, uh, the Great Commission is only for extroverts. It's Not for all. all of us. But introverts can have a great way of sharing their faith with other people who are either introverts or maybe a little more low-key. I scare people at times. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, but but as you can just do that in a natural way, there's such a powerful effect because mm. God created you the way that you are. Yeah. He's not looking to change the nature of who you are. What he's looking to do is bring that that power and nature of Christ through your personality. When you can get that, God will use you in powerful ways. Yeah, absolutely. I just love how God doesn't work against our personalities. Mm. He works with them. Mm. You know, and I think when we can embrace that God made me this way. Now, of course, we're not talking about sin. Right. You know, we're talking about the fact that, you know, our, all of us have a sin nature and all of us, you know, by God's grace and his mercy, he's always trying to help refine us and make us more like Jesus, Amen. you know, but he's given us these gifts and, you know, he kind of wants to help for for his kingdom and for our good. You know, absolutely. I probably the, the I can't tell you how many times because I served as a missionary mm-hmm. and so. I can't even tell you how many people I've talked to through the years who, I mean, it's probably a thousand in personal conversations where it's clear their mentality about missionary service is, is based 100% on the book of Jonah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, not that, you know, the fish part of it, but like God's only going to call me to do something I hate. I mean, like right. when 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 you and I were in college, there was actually a guy who had a song out that used to say, "God, please don't call me to Africa." <laughs> you know, we use reverse psychology. God, do not send me to Hawaii. Whatever you do, yeah, so, right? that's probably the prayer he does. He answers for me. <laughs> you know, so but the idea being that some of us have that mentality yeah. that we think God, if only cause us to do the stuff we don't want to, and I think that's actually personally rooted in a bad understanding of God's character. What, yeah, absolutely. Good. You know, because God's character is good, and yes. he wants good for his children. I mean, it, the, when, and when all of a sudden I understand that and I embrace that, then I understand that his will for my life yep. is good. Yeah. You know, and God wants to bring favor. Now, favor and blessing, all those things don't always mean ease. <laughs> Because quite frankly, I know I've walked in God's will, and there have been times when it was not easy at all, and yet I knew I was 100% in the will of God. 
Yeah. But, you know, when you go through those moments, I, I think of, you know, Paul and Silas in jail and, you know, the, the jail. You know, but here they've been beaten. They're in jail. They're worshiping in the midnight hour and God breaks the chains. And th- there is that part of in the middle of their suffering when they have this incredible joy that overflows. And this is this is what I have learned, that if I know that I'm in, in the will of God and, mm-hmm. and doing the purposes of God, whatever comes my way, there's just a joy and a peace. It may be hard. It may be difficult. But that is sort of the doorway for God to do exceptional things in my life. Yeah. it's I love that story of Paul and Silas in jail because one of the points about that is that they— they experience God's freedom. Mm. You know, this all of a sudden they're set free. They don't feel the need to run out of jail. <laughs> it's like the doors are open, the yeah. chains are off, and they don't go anywhere <laughs> because they were comfortable enough in God's guidance yeah. and provision that they've understood we aren't captive to this government. Yeah. We're captive to Christ. Amen. The other side of that is when we understand that and we go through a difficult time, all of a sudden we understand we're not victims. Yep. You know, God's actually at work here and yep. God's got the ability of glorifying himself in this situation. <laughs> well, now that we started digging into the story, here here's what I love as that as that story comes through. They were Roman citizens. So they knew the next day actually they were they were set free to go on their way. So there was such a comfort level, and they go, hey, we're serving God. We know we're getting out of here because we're Roman citizens. But what they cared about was the jailer. And I think it's so beautiful in this place where they've gone through severe persecution. The doors are open. They can go wherever they want to. But this is now, you want to talk about the voice and the heart of God in the midst of difficult places and going, Lord, what are you trying to do here? Because it's not about the jail. We'll get out of jail tomorrow. Sure. It was always about the jailer. And his family, which would be the, you know, you're an unreached people group. Yep. This would be the formation of the church in Philippi. Right. And God would do exceptional things out of this jailer, his family, and a few believers. So listen, God's purposes can be the greatest in the midst of our suffering and hardship as we stop in those moments and go, what are you, what are you speaking in this moment? Because yeah. I don't think it's about the jail. It's always about the people. Right. And all right, so. I'm going to go back even further into the story. Okay, here we go. All right. So, <laughs> Acts 16, Paul's trying to go to Asia. Yeah. Can't get in. <laughs> Tries to go to Bithynia. Can't get in. Bible actually, Old King James uses, I just love this phrase, the spirit of Jesus forbade me. Yeah. Just Which like, is incredible to preach yeah, the gospel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like closes the door. Yeah. And what they found themselves is positioned. And that's where I always try to go in my life. I want to position myself spiritually yep. to hear from God. Very good. And so like last week when you were t- you were guiding people that if they were in a difficult situation, they were trying to hear from God, use this expression, you said, slow down. That's it. And so that's it, that's what God did for mm-hmm. these this apostolic band is he forced them yep. to slow down. In that situation, he speaks to them. Through a dream, he gives Paul a vision, and it's yep. this Macedonian man yep. saying, hey, come over and help me. Come over and help us. Now, here's the part that I want to unpack. So, interestingly enough, is that the scriptures don't say, so Paul set out the next day. Right. It says 
that Paul clearly presented. So Paul got the vision, mm-hmm. but Paul presented it to the other members of the team he was traveling with. And then it says it seemed good to us and the Holy, and Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Yeah, very good. So Paul has the dream, the vision, uh-huh. but he clearly presents that to these other people. So he tests it. You know, he tests it with these guys and like, what do you guys think? Right. And and it's clear he actually gave them the right to veto. Yep. And collectively together, they determine, yes, this is what God is calling us to do. Yep. Praise God. And the result of that was the first church planted in Europe. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't, you, I don't know if you ever heard the expression we say, you know, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. <laughs> I always love the fact that so when Paul goes to Philippi, yeah, and who's the Macedonian man? Mm. I, I it, it who's the first person who comes to faith in Christ in Philippi? Lydia. Lydia, yeah. a woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's funny. I always get this image because Paul is a single male from a very, very religious Jewish background. Yep. I think if God had sent him a picture of Lydia saying, hey, come over and help us, I think Paul would have said, that can't be God. <laughs> or at least could have happened, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, yeah. in his mind, yeah. in, in particularly in that culture, males interacted with males. Yep. And so I can almost see Paul going, I don't think I could trust that that, that, that that's God. But hearing, seeing this man saying, come over and help us. But he understood the flexibility of being sen- being sensitive to the spirit. Amen. So he didn't show up in Philippi walking around the streets going, as far as we know, where's that man? Where's that man? <laughs> no, that's not him. That's not him. He just, he, when he understood God had called them there, then he was just looking for an opportunity. Wow. You know, and, that's powerful. And so I think that. There are things we have to be fixed and firm about, and then there's a lot of stuff we need to be flexible about. And every woman that's watching is shouting hallelujah, right? (laughs) So, you know, if I could just kind of get this, because this is a great Bible story, a little practical. Can I share a practical story for myself? So, and talking about how God leads and directs our life. So, um, so when I became, uh, when I, when I felt a call to go to Ireland as a missionary. I was mm. in the south of Ireland. It was at that point the most unreached part of Europe, very uh, religious, very few born-again believers. And so anyways, we, I, I went there, went onto the streets, and uh, was working with a church at the time that was about 25 people. And the church that I w- had come from in the States was a really large church. I had a youth group of 400 plus, you know, uh, teenagers and God had, had really blessed me in ministry Mm -hmm. in the state. So I'm at this church of 25 people and the Lord speaks to me, the Holy spirit speaks. And he says, he says, you're to come and work with this church. I'm going to make it a light to the city and to the nation and to Europe. Mm. And so my, well, my wife and my two children moved there. And I'm certainly not saying that it was me. There was a lot of people working together, but God took that church and it became a lampstand church to the nation mm-hmm. and the city. We had the largest conference in the nation. And then myself and the pastor there have traveled most of Europe uh, preaching the gospel and telling people about Jesus. It was a powerful work. Well, at the end of that time, so you have a, a way that God is very specific in his calling. Mm-hmm. Then when I came to the end 
of the time that we were there, my wife had uh, her dad was in a motorcycle accident and had a head injury. I could have lived and died in Ireland, but here I am in this place, and her dad has been in an accident. There's nobody that's this there to look after him, and my wife comes and says, hey, we have to go back to care for, for my dad. He actually, for the last 12 years, mm-hmm. has lived with us, so we're caretakers for an elderly, uh, for, her, for her father. And here, here's my point. It wasn't the Lord speaking. I actually was so distraught because I was going, God, I'm going back, and it's just based on this circumstance of what life. felt like a human thing and not a God thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm going, but God is doing such powerful things. But the Lord is directing me back to the States. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would you do that? Like what I'm doing here is powerful, but that was the gateway. And I wind, wind up moving back to Jacksonville, starting a church. And I think you've been there, this powerful, amazing, healthy church that's flourishing, that's giving to missions and serving the community. And God did such a powerful work there that then segued to me being here at World Challenge. But each one of those steps, sometimes God, I I felt this like moving of the Holy Spirit that spoke to my heart. Mm. Other times it was uh, circumstances, but each step of the way, God is producing his will in my life. And so as we're as we're talking about these things, I, may, maybe you can comment on this as well. Like, and how do you do, how do you navigate through to find God? What what are you bringing me to? What are you asking me to do? And exactly how does that work in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, mm-hmm. I ask. Obviously, everything it starts with personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. I'm responsible for listening to God's voice and obeying it. I'm also, however, responsible for the discerning piece of making sense of what I think God has said. Yeah. So, you know, as Americans, we are incredibly hyper individualistic. Yes. And so we think hearing from God means I'm supposed to be in my closet, <laughs> hear from God, and then I'm not supposed to involve anybody else in that process. Yep. And that's not biblical. That is so good, Mark. You know, the biblical approach yep. is actually that I engage other people in helping me discern what God is saying. So it's not yep. that I'm going to John and going, hey, John, what God's saying to you about me? But instead, I am saying, hey, John, I feel like God is saying this. Help me make sense of it. Yep. So, for instance, I would have people come to me and say, you know, through the years, I'd have somebody come and say, I feel like God's called me to be a missionary. I'd say, okay. I, you know, I'd say, that's good. Help unpack that for me. What does that look like? Yep. You know, and so they'd walk through their process. Then, you know, when I felt like maybe they were, you know, certainly they had positioned themselves Mm -hmm. to hear. So where missionary work is unique, maybe, is... Some people have a burden for a call for missions and other people have a calling to missions. And so I felt like one of my major jobs was to help them discern, is this a calling or a burden? Yeah. And, you know, maybe to add to that, too, is that there's been times when I'm, I'm talking to people as a spiritual leader and you're going, OK, I, I can see that. 
but the timing of it isn't right. And maybe you need to do preparation. So if you're going to go to the Arabic world, maybe you should learn the language. Maybe, you know, like maybe there's a process of things you can go through. So sometimes it's yes or no, but sometimes it's like, okay, I I believe that you're heading the right direction. But what are the steps to bring you to that place? Absolutely. Yep. So that would that was actually part of the process mm. that I would walk through with these folks. So, you know, I'd ask for that initial step and then but then I would start asking practical questions. Now I know this is going to sound incredibly human oriented. <laughs> and and I would always say these are not indicators of a call, but they might be breadcrumbs that mm. lead to a call. Yeah. So if you're going overseas, you're going to live in another culture. I would ask what seem like silly questions is, do you like foreign food? Because I've met people who said they were called <laughs> to the, you know some part of the world. And then when you would start unpacking, it's like, oh, I only like my mother's cooking. Or I only <laughs> like my wife's cooking. Well, I'm like, well, the problem is what you're liking to cook isn't available. Where you're going, so you're either going to learn to love something else or you're going to die. <laughs> so I was in Ireland and we mm-hmm. had fish and chips and shepherd's pie, so I was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so, but I would, you know, so that's yeah. one thing. Then I would say, do you like different cultures? Mm. And people would kind of go, I don't know. I'm like, well, when you go to a place where people are, there's some, you know, there's 100 people in the room and 90 of them are just like you yeah. and 10 of them are of a different culture, which group do you gravitate toward? Yeah. And they'd go, oh, well, yeah, I like hanging out with the people who are from other cultures. I'm like, that might be a breadcrumb that leads to the fact that you're called to serve in another context. Then I'd say, you know, do you like to travel? And I don't mean for vacation, but, you know, because you know as well as I do, travel from an international perspective for living it, it's totally not different. fun. Right. It's a totally different animal. Yeah. yeah, when people go on a mission trip for two weeks and they're like, oh, I was a missionary. Like, I think what they used to say, you're not a missionary until you live there. Because when you have to get in, it is so different going to a country and visiting and doing sightseeing and getting to know some people. But when you have to live and see how the culture works and how the people operate, that can be very challenging. Yeah, I used to say until... Until you arrive and you don't have a return ticket. Because <laughs> that's when your mind shifts. Yep. Because all of a sudden you realize, I'm here. you know. And then, so we've walked through all these things. And then I would say, what do those people who know you best mm. say about this? Yeah. So, okay, you're telling me, I just met you. Right. I just preached a message and you've come up to me and said, I love your, you preached about missions. I feel like a call to missions. I'm like, that's great. But what do those closest to you say about this? Yeah. So if, when you talked to your family, now let's, we're assuming in this case that they have believing family. If not, sure. those people around you who are your closest friends, yeah. what do they say? So Mark, what do you say? Because this is just a, you know, just a, something that I have seen in my life. I, I know a guy that was, like from Alabama, mm-hmm. and he winds up going to Thailand as a missionary, mm-hmm. and he became this amazing missionary. Sure. Now, most of his family would have thought, like, you're not going to be a fit there. We think you're better at home here in Alabama. And so sometimes, 
you can find an individual that maybe by the outward, just the, you know, just the, the, the person that they are, sure. that you would think that they're not really going to be a great missionary. And maybe even other people are saying that they're not going to be really fit for that. How do you discern whether that's like a good voice or maybe a voice that should be ignored? It's a good question. I think it's a it's a bit of a complicated one, but just to make it one of the easiest things in today's society right. makes it a whole lot easier to get the answer to that question than let's say 50 years ago mm. because today we have this thing called short-term missions <laughs> it's wonderful and it it helps people discern whether they have a burden for missions or a calling yep. because it gives them the ability to go overseas plug in locally for a, a long enough period of time to actually test this yeah what like a year because once, yes. once somebody's there for a year they know if that's it, the place yes. or in not. in a year or, yeah. people know one, they know, do I want to come back? And the people on the field know if they want them to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there again, it's still, does it seem right to the Holy Spirit and to us? Yeah. So I never really validate an approach that isolates the voice of God mm-hmm. through speaking through other people. But I acknowledge that there are ways of testing that yeah. that bring a greater group and greater experience. So I would always say to people, you know, we'd walk through these things. Do you like yeah. this? Do you do this? You know, that's what do the people around you say, all of that. But then if there was maybe, so if the answer was an absolute no, and sometimes that was, you know, like character. Yeah. That's a no. Yeah. You know, this guy's got a real anger issue. Well, you put him in another, <laughs> put him in another culture. Man, <laughs> anger's going to go through the right, roof. Right. Yeah, because the stresses go up yes. and all of the other things. Exactly. That if you, it's like, hey, if you if you can't function in your own culture, how in the world are you going to function in another culture? Really badly. Yeah, yes, really exactly. Bad, yeah. So if it was a character issue, that was a no-brainer. But if it was a gift calling question mm-hmm. and, and the answer was maybe – Yep. then that's a great place for that like short-term experience. Now, and I don't think that just applies to ministry overseas. Now, I wouldn't want anybody going overseas who hadn't been plugged into their local church. Absolutely. So we're <laughs> testing, you know, that's one reason we talk to pastors. Yeah. You know, what fruit have you seen in this person's life? So yeah. my guess is even though that guy was from Alabama and – you go, well, I mean, can he learn Thai? That's a difficult language. You might have questioned that, but you had somebody had seen that this guy had a fruitful ministry in America. Because yeah. we both know crossing water doesn't make you a missionary. Not at all. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, I've done a lot of short-term missions. And one thing I would say to people that are, you know, going on trips and doing ministry for for two weeks like, why would you travel halfway around the world to tell somebody about Jesus if you won't go across the street and talk to your neighbor? Like, let, let's start there. Yep. And it would actually be challenging. I would find people that would become people to be an influence in their world and share their faith here. And then it helped them so powerfully once they stepped onto a mission field. 100%. And that takes us to the question about timing. Yep. So it may not always be a yes or a no, it yeah. may be, maybe it's a yes, yeah. but it's not a yes now. 
you need to grow in some areas. Very good. You need to grow in relational areas. You need to grow in ministry areas. So you've never, I would tell people, you've, you've never held a job yeah. for longer than a year. That's, an, you, if, you're, if you think God's <laughs> called you somewhere for a year, I need to see consistency yep. in your life. You know, and so those are various well, things that we would might say not yes, but not now. Yeah, financial responsibility Absolutely. is another. Like if you can't manage your money here, now you're going to go to a foreign culture and then try to to manage. Well, and and you're there. taking money from. I mean, all missions organizations have people who give to them so that they can do what they do. And yeah. so if you're gonna as a leader, I have physical fiscal responsibility that I'm not going to have somebody go overseas or be involved in ministry who's going to take money that's not fiscally responsible. That's good. Hey, in a world challenge, that's something that's really near to our hearts. Can can I ask you a question just as we're kind of talking about this? Like, bring it down a little. Like, right now we're talking about dude from Alabama going to Thailand, which is incredible. But, you know, somebody maybe just watching today and they're going, you know what, I'm I don't know if I should be the women's director at mm-hmm. my church or should I be on the men's leadership team or teach a Sunday school? Like, so just kind of maybe bring some yep. of that down to some of those first steps. All right. So I, you know, 35 years of professional ministry, mm-hmm. but that wasn't where I started. Right. You know, I came to faith. I grew up in a pastor's home, walked away from the Lord for a long period of time. And then came back to faith in my early 20s, mm-hmm. started going to this little, small, local church. And I really disliked small churches, but wound up in this church by an accident. And they were so kind and so friendly mm. and just lived out Jesus, yep. you know, that I got engaged with the church and I would attend church every Sunday. And because of the way I was raised, I, I would go to Sunday school. Well, what was funny was in the adult Sunday school class, the ne- I was in my early 20s. The next youngest person was probably in their early 50s. <laughs> it was a small church, and it was an older church. But I'd go. All that to say, one Sunday after church or after the Sunday school time, the guy who taught the class came up to me and said, hey, next week I'm going to be traveling. Would you teach the lesson next week? And I was like, uh, and he goes, don't worry. He goes, the book that we use has a, like a student edition and a teacher's edition. So the teacher's edition has everything you'll need. Well, and I was like, I, so I kind of thought, okay, for one week I can do this. mm. I wasn't like being in front of people didn't like intimidate me. So I was like, I can do this for one week. So the next week, I show up. So does this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, like hey, what was that? <laughs> yeah, you lied to me. And Deception. He's like, yeah, and he goes, actually, I didn't. I was supposed to go out of town. Oh, okay. And I, my, camp, my plans got canceled. But then I thought, you had the book, so I just let you teach. So I taught the class. Here's the whole thing. At the end of the class, I go to give him back the book. He goes, I don't think I want that. Well. He goes, I think you're supposed to teach this class. Every week. I'm not even sure I really believed him, but I had enough honor toward right. toward older people in my life and the way I was raised that I was like, I guess I should at least give this a try. Now, interestingly, God grew me through that. He wow. taught faithfulness in ministry, 
of course, I learned a lot about the word because in order to teach something, you have to go way deeper than, you know, to study something, to teach it, you have to study deep. Mm -hmm. And so God started that process. And interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, it was that experience of teaching that Sunday school class to a bunch of people 30 years older than me that became the entry point to God's calling in yeah. my life. Well, and I have I have to say too, here we are what 35 Five years, years later, later and I got to tell you what an incredible not just a communicator of missions which you do amazing with that, but just communicating the gospel and speaking to people. So what God started in those small places, he has developed over the years and Man, I, I mean, you're, you're just such a blessing wow. in the way you speak and how lives are touched and encouraged. I'm personally encouraged by you. Well, thank you. So, but he's, but God starts sometimes in the small places and begins to work these things out. I think God always starts in the small mm-hmm. places. Yep. You know, years ago I had a guy I was talking to him. I had a particular thing, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is probably a discussion for another podcast, but I had something that I felt like the Lord had put in my heart about something in my life future oriented like maybe this was something god wanted to do in my life in the future and of course it's never suffering (laughs) you know it was like you know in this case i felt like god wanted me in a particular leadership position yeah and i sat down with this pastor and i just kind of shared with him and interestingly enough and this is where i get that thing about the small he he had this great thing and it's but you'll you'll get it it's based on the story of david mm. when he's running from saul yeah but he said how you behave in a cave will determine whether or not you ever sit on a throne praise god no that's it so i think that great ministry always starts small mm. because god is testing our character he wants us to understand it's about him it's not about us yeah And so, you know, just as we close today, I want to go back to that fact that our primary calling is to Jesus. Absolutely. And, you know, I believe that in time, if we're patient, if we'll slow down, if we'll listen, if we'll position ourselves to hearing from him, I believe God will always speak. He'll always guide and he'll always direct as long as we understand that first and foremost, God cares more about who I am than what I do. That is powerful. It's so true. If we could just, every one of us could apply that in our daily lives and walk that way, I think that our lives would be far more fruitful. One of the things I love in the scriptures when it talks about a seed being planted and grow and producing fruit, like you don't like, you don't have to argue a plan into producing. It's just a natural when the seed is planted in the mm-hmm. right ground and you put water in it and listen, it will just flourish and produce fruit. And sometimes we're always thinking about what we should be and what we should be doing, what, where we should be going. And sometimes if we could just in those moments, just let let the Lord let us be who we are mm-hmm. and just naturally produce that. He'll put us into the right places to do the right things. Yeah. John, I think there are probably people listening who are asking themselves that question Mm -hmm. about how does God want to use me in his kingdom? Yep. You know, does he want me in a local church setting? Does he want me cross-culturally? Does he want me to be engaged in ministry vocationally? Some people, that would scare them to death. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe God just wants them, and it's not just, God wants them as a school teacher as a nurse, as an engineer, you know, you and I understand that there's no like 
A team, B team in the kingdom of God. So people today that are listening and are wrestling with those questions, would you pray for them? Absolutely. You know, just pray that God would reveal himself to them and sort of in a closing prayer, pastor them through this process. So pastor, I know uh, his name is Carter Conlon Mm. uh, from Times Square Church. uh, Great uh, world challenge preacher. But he he would talk about this subject and he would say, you know, when we, we get to the pearly gates, he said all the pastors with their suits will be lined up to go into the <laughs> pearly gates first and he said he said you know it'll be the nursery workers mm-hmm. and it'll be the janitors mm-hmm. and so sometimes we think in our mind that the great ones are the one that stand on the stages but truly the great ones are the ones that serve with a pure heart yeah. so wherever you may be and whatever you may be walking through today the one thing that we do know is this is that the lord does have a plan for your life he has given you a gift. You were meant to produce fruit. And all, all he's asking for you is to just pray and to seek and to just walk in his power and authority. He'll put you in the right places if you keep an open heart. So, Father God, I pray for men and women that are watching today, Lord, that you would begin to lead them and direct them. God, take all of the pressures uh, and ideas of, of what we think that we should be or what other people think that we should be. And God, I pray that we would begin to see ourselves in the light of what you've created us to be and who you've created us to be. And God, I pray as we walk in that in a natural way, in an authentic way, Lord, I pray that you would do great and mighty things. I pray for that person that may be in a place of confusion, that God, that you would bring a peace and that you would lead them to the right place to do the things that you've called us to do. And we love you today. The greatest calling is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And I pray every day that we would become more and more like Jesus. We love you today. And we thank you, Lord, that you have been in the midst of this conversation. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We never take your time for granted. We believe it's your one non-replenishable resource and we're excited that you gave it to us today we would encourage you to not only join us next week but go to worldchallenge.org where you can find additional resources to help you grow in your spiritual life thanks so much for joining us we know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us As a follow-up to our conversation, we'd like to recommend John Bailey's new sermon series, God's Eternal Pursuit. You can find all five episodes at worldchallenge.org, or you can get more information in today's show notes. Join us next time for a conversation on spiritual restoration. We'll see you then.